Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Well, it's an honor to be talking with uh, Alyssa today. Hello, Alyssa. Welcome. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, thought about doing an intro for you where I said she probably read more books than you in the last (laughs) month. Uh, And I don't mean for that to sound mean because (laughs) it's actually pretty awesome. How many books did you read in the month of June? It actually was not that many. It was only 10. So I felt kind of, kind of sad about that. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's more than me. That's impressive. Uh, What's the most you've read in a month? Oh goodness. I don't even know. Um, I try to read a hundred books a year. So in theory, I should be doing about 12 a month. Uh, Sometimes (laughs) that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Wow. Uh, How long have you been really focused on reading? Um, A few years. um, I think probably actually since I graduated from college and realized that suddenly I could read whatever I wanted to. (laughs) And reading became a whole lot more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, so I would say since I discovered Goodreads, um, which is just kind of a community where you can track what you're reading, um, maybe in 2015 or so I discovered that. And I've just kind of been tracking everything since then, which has been fun and helpful and, and kind of keeps me keeps me motivated to reach my goals. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that. How does that work, this the Goodreads uh, uh, process? Yeah, well, it's just, you know, with Goodreads, Goodreads is just an app um, that you can download on your phone if you have a smartphone. And, you know, you just um, can type in any book. They have them all and just say that you're reading it or you finished it. Uh, you can rate rate it from you know one to one to five depending on how much you liked it and so that's one of the kind of bookish things that I do online nice well you know it is summertime and um, I absolutely believe in summertime reading so I'm just curious what sort of things you like to read Uh, is it different during the summer than the rest of the year I don't think it's too different during the summer. Uh, I will say now, like summer is kind of an exciting time in book publishing because a lot of the publishers are issuing advanced reader copies of their fall lineup of books. And so I'm also I'm on NetGalley, which um, gets you free free advanced reader copies of different books that you're interested in. So I have about, oh, I'd say about 15 or so books on there uh, that I'm either that I've either read or in the process of reading or I still need to read um, and review for the publishers. So that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that seems so um, elite. Uh, <laughs> the folks that, you know, I hear talking about and ad- reading an advanced copy are usually talking to me from the TV um, <laughs> and they're like friends with, you know, a publisher or something or the author. So how do how do you get to read advanced copies? Yeah, so well, netgalley.com is actually just one of the um, the sites. Uh, Idlewise is another one. I don't know much about that one though, so I won't speak to that it, one. So is it open to anyone? You can just yeah. sign up and 
Wow. Yeah. If you, so with NetGalley, if you just love books, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, um, part of the media, which technically I am because I work for Spectrum, or you're just yes. a regular book blogger uh, or a librarian, a teacher, you know, really anybody can sign up and say, hey, you know, here's a book that interests me and you can request it from the publisher. You might get a copy, you might not. Um, you know, it just depends. Um, but I've been pretty successful with what I request, um, you know, being accepted. Cool. Well, let's talk um, a little bit about um, the books you read in June, because I paid <laughs> a lot of attention to those. Um, and you read a bunch that you liked and then one that you kind of didn't. <laughs> so maybe let's start with the one that you didn't, which kind of connects with a lot of the issues that Spectrum readers oh, think about. And then we'll jump into the ones that you liked. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, <laughs> so I will- Oh boy! And I read your so review. I'll, pre- I'll preface so. this by saying I really, yeah. <laughs> well, which I thought I'll preface was great. This by saying I really don't like writing negative reviews. Um, so I, but if it's something I've been commissioned is probably the wrong word because it's not like I'm getting paid to write reviews. But you know, I've agreed to write a review for NetGalley, and so you know whether I liked it or not, I still need to write it. And so this was one of those books. Um, so the book in question is called "The Church of Us Versus Them" by David Fitch, and it's coming out uh, in a couple weeks in July, mid-July. And, you know, kind of the premise of the book is that the church, the world is very divided on a bunch of different issues, whether it's politics, whether it's the role of women in leadership, or, you know, whether it's LGBT individuals and, and rights. And so I think the book was attempting to kind of say, hey, you know, we all need to have more compassion and listen to each other which is great, which is, you know, absolutely 100%. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the execution of that message. Uh, and so I think that's kind of where I <laughs> took most of my review of that is just um, wishing it had been better written and wishing there was some uh, concrete applications uh, that the author had suggested um, that could be applied. Great. Well, if you don't mind, we'll maybe put that, uh, if you don't, we can put the blog in um, sure. the uh posts that we do so that folks can read that. Um, One thing I liked about it is because I feel like a lot of books that are written to um, a Christian audience Mm -hmm. get really repetitive um, for for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because uh, we're (laughs) kind of used to repetition in sermons or what, but... Um, I thought your critique of it was yeah, you know, um, really accurate. So, oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, it's it's so oh, Christian publishing is so interesting. You know, I, I find that I'm often disappointed in uh, the the Christian books that I read, and maybe it's just that I hold them to a higher standard than I do other books. Uh, but but yeah, I think there's there's a lot of repetition, or you know, they don't really hit hard enough. I think they sometimes just scratch the surface of issues, or they make a lot of assumptions or presuppositions about um, their audience and their readers. And and it just kind of, it can be a disappointing field (laughs) in which to read books. Yeah, well, let's actually, um, that just reminded me Mm. um, of Rachel Held Evans and her uh, really tragic passing and the huge hole she leaves in um, Christian writing and thinking. Um, And you were a fan. Do you mind just saying a few words about what she meant to to you? (laughs) Um, so yeah, and for for any listener yeah. you know, who doesn't know, 
um, you know, Rachel Hilde Evans, um, you know, she passed away quite suddenly. I think she was 37 years old, uh, left behind a husband to very um, yeah. little children. Uh, I think her son is three and her daughter is um, was like 11 months old when she passed away. And she was a big name in the evangelical community, um, you know, a wonderful writer, just a really warm human being. Um, I followed her, you know, some of her blogs, um, blog posts, which a lot of them gained kind of national attention. I think she'd been um, uh, published in the Washington Post a couple times and things like that. And then I also got to hear her speak at the Festival of Faith and Writing at Kelvin College, which is something I try to go to. Um, it happens every two years. And so I think for a lot of us, you know, we heard that she'd been hospitalized with, uh, you know, kind of a bad reaction um, to some medication and, you know, but she was still on Twitter kind of laughing and joking. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, she lapsed into or she was put into a coma, a medically induced coma. And she never woke up. And so um, it really hit everybody hard. You know, she's only a couple of years older than me. And so I think part of it was that, you know, here's somebody my age who you don't really expect to suddenly be gone. But I think it, to a larger extent, it was also, you know, she had such an inspiring message. She was one of these fantastic writers who really... Um, not just spoke to all of these important issues, but really lived it out um, in everything that she did. And she spoke on, you know, racism in the Christian community. She spoke on the role of women uh, and she was an ally for LGBT individuals and other marginalized groups. And she was such a powerful, inspiring person. And it's, it's just really really devastating to have her, her voice suddenly be gone um, so quickly. Yeah, well, beautifully said. And I think, I mean, she left behind um, many, mm -hmm. many um, fans of her work. And I really hope that um, that she'll, that folks will kind of step into the breach and, and fill that gap in the kind of evangelical world because she did a great job of communicating to folks that were maybe more um, conservative than her and made them feel comfortable. Yeah, and I think one of, of the great things about Rachel Hall Evans is she really did a fantastic job of, of um, being warm and inclusive to everybody. I think sometimes, um, no matter where you kind of fall on the spectrum, no pun intended, um, sometimes it's easy to, to lash out at people who, who don't agree with you or whose opinions seem um, antithetical to the Christian message in your view. And she just was always very loving and compassionate, whether she was speaking to people who agreed with her or disagreed. Uh, and that's, I think, something to be admired and emulated Yes, it is um, absolutely a spirit we aspire to with Spectrum. Um, so let's jump into the fun stuff that you <laughs> just read, the other nine books um, that you somehow squeezed. Well, let's uh, hit some oh, of the yeah. highlights. So the ones I want to say, really for starters, I, I really love hearing what other people are reading and what they uh, find interesting, what moved them. And so one of the books that I really loved uh, this month or in June was American Street by E.B. Zaboy. And that was one that uh, Danielle Barnard, who has written for us in the past, um, had she had blogged about it. She had written a review on her blog about American Street. And I really was moved by her review. And th that was a book that had been kind of on my to-be-read pile for a couple years now. 
And so I, I kind of bumped it to the top of the list and I read it and it was just so moving. You know, it's about um, it's a young adult fiction story about a, a 16 year old Haitian immigrant who comes to America with her mother. But very quickly, um, when they when they land, when their plane lands um, in New York, her mother is taken away by um by ice and and the girl continues on uh, to Detroit to join the rest of her or to join her aunt and cousins and it kind of just evolves from there and it was just a really moving really powerful story extremely well written and just something that was very relevant for our times right now yeah incredible um that's great. Uh, what sort of uh, so uh, what another other books one? And this is a, a kind of a brand new publication. I think it came out last month or the month before. Is Marilyn McIntyre's latest book? And for those that don't know, Marilyn McIntyre is well. She's an English professor, but she's also a pretty prolific uh, Christian author. And she writes um, from a really interesting perspective that I haven't really seen anyone else do. Um, she she talks a lot about the power of words, and so her, often her books are exploring different words. Uh, and the meaning behind them, the nuances. Um, she wrote the book um, Caring for Words in a Culture of Lies several years ago um, that I believe Spectrum did kind of a book club on. And then, so her current one is When mm -hmm. Poets Pray, and she just is exploring um, various poems. I think she has 24 poems in this book that she then discusses um, the various aspects of, of prayer, and they're from a very diverse set of poets, um, which I appreciated. And she's just, she's a very thoughtful writer who who just helps you explore things in a new way and and i just love all of her books that sounds fantastic um i i uh really appreciate poetry um but i uh really actually also appreciate people talking about it and um and kind of giving their reactions to it so that sounds great. Um, what other uh, uh, so novels have you read? I tend to be a huge um, suspense fan um, for the past few years. I just, for whatever reason, can't get enough of uh, suspense. And so most of the bulk of the other books I read um, in June were uh, new suspense titles. So Jane Harper, who who um, Jane Harper is an Australian mm. author and she has three books out and I read her third one in June. I had read her first two in May and she just, I would recommend her to anyone. She is fantastic. Um, Nevada Barr um, and Sue Grafton are both kind of iconic female suspense writers. Sue Grafton has, has mm. passed away. She passed away a few years ago, but um, Sue Grafton wrote um, kind of the alphabet mysteries. So she has, you know, and they're just, they're great. Yeah. I love them. And Nevada Barr wrote, um, is most famous for um, her national park series where she has a national park ranger um, who each, each book is set in a different national park. And um, Nevada Barr actually used to be a national park ranger. So she, she's writing from it from experience, but also in just a really fantastic, suspenseful manner. That's great. I, uh, I, I, one of the reasons that I love reading, um, we should let folks know we both yes. are Andrews <laughs> grads. Um, so we had some professors in common who, uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, we're, yes. are very inspiring, um, readers and, um, there's a great culture of that Absolutely. in the English department there. 
Um, but what I love is the kind of different perspectives that I get from authors who are um, talking about something that they've researched and, and sharing it with me. And it allows me to kind of travel outside my own. Yeah, um, absolutely. World. So um, that's cool. I don't read a lot of suspense, but um, I'm uh, inspired to do more. Um, one question I have for you is what would you say to someone who's, you know, they've got some time this summer, they're thinking about cracking open a few books. Um, how do you, um, kind of deal with the stacks of books that some of us have lying around and how do you prioritize? Oh boy. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm the best person to ask for advice on that. Um, I have, you know, um, I, I've sought out some some really great places to find free books, and so I, I tend to accumul accumulate far more books than I can ever read. And one of my um, one of the things that causes me the most anxiety in life is is realizing that even if I uh, tried my hardest, I would never in my entire life get through all the books I want to get through. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of keep struggling along, but. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, my biggest thing is always just like, read, read what you want to read. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes, um, you know, certain people in your life may be kind of elitist toward what you're reading. But if there's a type of if there's a genre or an author that you really love, like read it. Like I think books are are one of the most amazing things in the world. And whatever you're reading, you know, you're getting to kind of be inside another human being's head <laughs> for for, um, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you're reading that book. And, and it's the closest you're going to be to really understanding someone else, I think. So whatever you're reading, it's it's a really um, there's no experience like it. I'm just a huge fan of, of books and reading and people reading what they love. That's cool. Well, good. I'm um, next to my uh, on my uh, bed stand, I've been reading a collection of uh, writing by John Updike oh, on yeah. golf called Golf That's Dream. Awesome. So I do not, I will not feel shame that I'm just motivated <laughs> to read about golf. And you should, you, you should not feel any shame about that. That's, you know, uh, if that's what you love, then that's absolutely what you should be reading. <laughs> Thank you. Well, let's jump to uh, talking a little bit about sure. Spectrum. You have been working with Spectrum as the managing editor for a bit here. And so I'm just curious um, if you want to mention kind of what you like about it and what you don't like about it, <laughs> just so folks kind of get to know what it's like behind the scenes. <laughs> is this a safe space? Like, you know, <laughs> yes, it is. no one, <laughs> man. All right. No one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I mean, so obviously I think, um, First, what I love about it, I think, is what a lot of people love about Spectrum is, you know, it's it's this community um, that really, I think, tries hard to be to be a safe space, um, no matter where you are with your walk, um, both your walk in Adventism and Christianity um, with God in general. And, you know, to kind of not to be cliche, but to kind of go back to um, Spectrum's motto, which is just, you know, community through conversation and to really look at all sides of a topic and really wrestle with it. And I don't think that that's something that you see um, happening um, in a lot of other spaces, especially within Seventh-day Adventism. So to be able to look at things from a different angle is just so important. And I really love that. I, I love uh, the authors that I get to work with. Um, so many just 
wonderful writers and wonderful thinkers um, who are exploring all of these different topics. And I mean, it really like that's one of the highlights of my job. It doesn't even feel like work getting to, you know, read what they have to say and 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 work with them to to improve it and make it better and then publish it to the to the website. And that's, you know, just fantastic. Yeah, that's great. I uh, I think our, our motto has it does such a good job of helping us focus on what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, we continue to to create that community. Uh, so downsides. <laughs> oh boy. All right. I was hoping you'd forget that part of the question. We got to be real here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think um, one of the downsides and I don't know. Oh man. <laughs> um, I think sometimes I am disappointed um, in in some of the reactions that we get um, to some of our articles uh, mm. and essays. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, obviously everybody's entitled to their opinion and, and we do want to promote a variety of, of, of opinions, you know, in response to things that we publish. But unfortunately, and, you know, I've had this conversation with you before and, and several other people involved with Spectrum where, you know, the internet in general uh, tends to be rather hostile to to conversation, to true conversation and listening and empathy. And you would love to think that a Christian uh, community, a Christian website, and specifically a Seventh-day Adventist website would be more conducive um, to that. And I just haven't found that to be the case. I think um, we we suffer from a lot of the same things that any other secular website does with trying to figure out the best way to um, manage the comments that come in. You know, we certainly don't want to be silencing anyone, but at the same time, you know, we have to make sure that we're creating as safe of an environment for everyone as possible. And, you know, if someone's going to come in and insert themselves into a conversation and start name calling or disparaging people or groups of people that, you know, really isn't um, conducive to a positive, healthy conversation. And so I think every website out there who, that has a comment section struggles with this and we're no different. And so that really becomes, um, I think, the most difficult part of my job. Yeah, well, thanks for being uh, real about that. Um, you're not the only one that feels that way. Um, and I, I like that you kind of point out that if Christians and Adventists think that we're that different than everyone else. Um, it's pretty clear when you get into uh, comparing, commenting, and trolling that um, maybe we're not as sanctified yeah, as we think we yeah, are. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think Christians would love to be, you know, kind of the example for the world. I think that's what we're called to do. But I think <laughs> when, when it's on the internet, I'm I'm not sure we're we're being a good example to anybody. Yeah. Well, um, let's return to the positive. Um, and that is, I'd love to hear what gives you kind of hope for the future for um, the Adventist community. What are you kind of excited about well, these days? I'll say, you know, one of the things that's really exciting for me and is just seeing all of the um, kind of just in the past couple of years, all of the millennials who are starting to have uh, platforms of their own in the church 
Yeah, it's really yeah, a moment. I mean, this I is kind of a time that has never happened before. Both millennials and Gen Z, you know, give a shout out to the <laughs> to the next generation as well. Um, but, you know, for people my age, like I just I remember, um, you know, the 2015 General Conference session that was and that was my first um, time attending anything like that. And you know, um, my predecessor, predecessor Jared Wright, had done some really powerful um, infographics concerning the makeup of the delegates attending and voting at GC session. And I think it was something crazy, like only 6% were millennials, even the, um, for delegates, even though I think like something like 45% of the church is made up of millennials. Um, and I could have those stats slightly wrong, but those are the numbers that I tend to recall. And so there was this huge discrepancy between the number of millennials in the church and then us not having really hardly any sort of voice for decisions being made. And so to have in the years since then, you know, you have Humans of Adventism, which is a fantastic, wonderful platform run by Caleb Isley on Facebook. And you have, um, you know. Yes. And I did a podcast with him a couple of weeks ago, which I yeah, folks. absolutely. And he, you know, he's doing terrific work. And, you know, there's so many, there's so many great podcasts being run by millennials, um, just all sorts of different things out there that I just, you know, and you look at like Adventists for Social Justice with T- Tiffany Llewellyn and the work that she's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic to see all of these millennials really um, taking ownership in the church and, and the internet has given us the ability to do that in a way that just wasn't possible before. Yeah. Beautifully said. I, I, uh, the place that I encounter it the most is on Twitter and it's really fun to see how many folks are out there kind of talking about the same issues that spectrum has been talking about for a long time, but kind of translating it into their own style and, and tweaking it and giving, you know, folks, um, new language and new concepts yeah, absolutely. as well. And I think, you know, one of the things that we had done at, um, starting at GC session, um, me and our intern at the time, Rachel Logan, um, we had done these tweeting the meeting recaps, um, it, which the whole yeah. point of that was, hey, like millennials aren't represented on the delegate floor, but here all of them are really active on on Twitter and live streaming and engaged with these these business sessions, which, you know, I think at the time the narrative from official church um uh, media was that, well, millennials just don't care and they're leaving the church in droves. And it's true that they're leaving the church in droves, but it's not true that they don't care. And I think, you know, we were able to do with those roundups, those tweeting the meeting roundups and show like, look at all of these millennials who are tuned in and who are engaged and who are like totally invested in the decisions being made. And you see that at each meeting since, you know, annual council, of course, is a huge one in October and, and millennials are involved. They're live streaming along with everyone else. You have, I remember, this last annual council, there were um, college students, Gen Z, were live streaming it um, with their professors and stuff and, and tweeting out their engagement. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that it totally is. Um, as you know, from our last board meeting, we're starting to think about the general conference session next summer, which is coming up soon in Indianapolis. So, um I uh, know that you'll be there since it's not too far from oh, yeah. your home. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and uh, 
Um, looking forward to your reporting. And uh, do you think you'll be pretty active on Twitter for the GC again? Yeah, I assume so. I mean, um, last last time I was, you know, Jared was kind of managing our official Spectrum account and I was live tweeting from my personal account, but I'll uh, undoubtedly be live tweeting from the from the Spectrum account this year and, and looking looking forward to it in some respects in terms of the GC session and uh, in other respects, it'll be... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting. It's always kind of a wild ride, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll be there. And and um, you know, uh, as far as I know, Spectrum will have a booth again this year or you know next year. And um, so yeah, anybody listening who's planning to be there should totally stop by and say hello. Definitely, yes, we love to chat with our friends and even our enemies. Anyone? <laughs> That's right. We just we just create conversations, guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been really fun chatting with you, and thank you so much for the work that you do for Spectrum and for the larger Adventist community, and thanks for talking about your great dedication to reading. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me, Alex. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move when the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely 